Hello everyone and welcome to God's On Watch podcast. We're recording a special episode for International Women's Day 2023. Today, we're happy to have with us in our special episode Ambassador Nancy Carigetto, who is currently Kenya's special envoy for maritime and blue economy. Nancy has a career spanning 34 years in maritime. She has recently announced her candidature for the post of Secretary General for the UN International Maritime Organization. The elections are in July 2023, and if elected this summer, Nancy will be the first female Secretary General and also the first from Africa. We're taking this opportunity this year to discuss Nancy's career and her vision. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you very much, Monica. Uh, let me start by saying uh, good morning from Mombasa, Kenya. and to say that I'm honored to be on this podcast and to get this platform uh to say a little about myself and my future you know anticipations and visions particularly around my candidature for the post of secretary general of the international maritime organization and my career thank you so much thank you nancy we're so delighted to have you join us on this chat from women's day um First of all before we even start can I ask you to please tell us a bit more about your career and also more importantly how you joined the maritime industry when we look through your bio it's replete with so many uh, with evidence of how much you've done for the industry but it would be really nice to hear it in your words can I ask you to talk about that please okay thank you so much for that now uh let me say that uh the maritime industry from where I grew up was the most unlikely career for me because I was born and started my early life in rural Kenya in uh, the mainly agricultural community which is more than almost 800 kilometers from Kenya's coastline so quite a bit far and not providing a lot of imagination for a young girl like me now where we lived was uh, the rice growing community very hot weather punctuated sometimes by sporadic heavy monsoon rainfall which would create instant puddles of water because the cotton it we had black cotton soil my parents were both teachers and around that time we had a lot of expatriates from the uk uh, uh from the us and we came across or our paths met with this lady from the us she was a science teacher and she taught me and she taught us a lot of uh, a few things because she was a neighbor living on the school compound and one of the earliest things for uh around 5 years i would remember uh she taught us to make paper boats and it was very interesting because when the rains came then would float them before they soaked up and they would uh you know uh, disintegrate then they had next trip from her next trip to mombasa because she used to travel a, a lot around the country she brought us the gift of a cowrie shell and with that came a poem which essence was that I'll hold this shell to my ear and it will bring the sound of the sea to me so we started getting this uh fascination you know because when actually you hear the humming sound and you're hearing this is the sea that fascination never left me and therefore I longed to see the sea and Mombasa and then there would be stories of how the sea goes for lunch So this is the kind of stories that I grew up hearing. And when I was a teenager then, I deliberately myself chose to go and study 
those 800 kilometers from home into the coast of Mombasa. And that's when I saw the sea the first time. And boy, was it fascinating. When I finished school, my first career choice was law because, well, there is the sea and there is, you know, everything around it. But I didn't understand how do you make a career out of shipping? I didn't have role models. I didn't mm-hmm. know anybody who ever worked mm-hmm. in the sea. So my first career choice was the sea, was the law. And I then went into the port industry after I finished and uh, working in the attorney general's office as a public law officer. Then I, I joined the port. Uh, things didn't go as I had planned because I thought I would make a career of it. But uh, at some stage, I thought, no, I want to, I need something more different. And then I went into private practice. In private practice, that's when I was tapped into uh, as a consultant by the International Maritime Organization. I'll backtrack a little. When I was with the, working with the port, I got a scholarship paid for by Canadian then Canadian International Development Agency, and I started studied maritime law in IMDi, and mm. it was fascinating because I, I learned now. I started connecting the dots, uh, but when I came back, I thought it was a bit restrictive the the job I had I was doing, and I chose to go into private practice. So I acted for a few shipping farms, insurance, marine insurance, and then I got into consultancy for the International Maritime Organization. And I became the roaming, uh, as it were, consultant for Anglophone Africa, because it coincided with the time when IMO was encouraging developing countries to set Mm. up independent maritime administration and to make the delinking from mainstream government of maritime administration. And therefore, I was able to work with a few countries in the region. after that, I joined uh, the African Union, helping to come up with policy documents, model legislation, uh, uh, and such. But home called because I thought with the knowledge I was getting, then I could contribute to do more for my country. And that's when I resigned and, and stopped the consultancy and came back home uh, to set up the Kenya Maritime Authority because as mm. I was moving around, helping other governments in the region. Now, Kenya became like, wow, you know, you must have done so much. And one of the questions uh, I would be asked is to give feedback on how we were dealing with a certain issue. But I knew we were still in, you know, Kenya hadn't set up the independent maritime administration. We were still within the ministry. So when that came up, I came back home and decided to set up, uh, to offer myself as the first CEO of, of the Maritime Authority. Uh, that was in 2005. And I did that for nine years, handed over uh, to somebody else. And I went back into uh, standalone consultancy. And uh, for six months, I worked with the European Union Critical Maritime Routes Project. Uh, that was looking after maritime, at maritime security within the Western Indian Ocean. Then I was tapped to go and again start a new uh, department within the Ministry of Transport uh, to start the State Department for Shipping. And that's the job I only recently left to embark on the campaigns that I am in. So I've built a lifelong career in the maritime sector, starting from 
At the bottom, the low echelons of government, raising up the professional ladder, growing up experience, hands-on experience and knowledge, skills. Uh, and I feel that I have, you know, it has grounded me in managing complex issues in both the private and public shipping, uh, both from a national perspective, the region, as well as the global perspective, because for the time since I joined uh, the Maritime Authority, that is in 2005, I've basically been uh, a fixture of Kenya's delegation uh, to the IMO and to other uh, global columns, I mean forums. Mm, I love what I do. Uh, it's been a bit uh, quite interesting uh, as a lady, as a woman, and as a professional in a male-dominated uh, industry, a patriarchal society, and basically very political environment. Yeah. No, you've, yeah. Your, your career has spanned an enormous amount of years. You've done three decades, more than three decades, so 34, 38 years in shipping. And as you've said, as a woman in a patriarchal male-dominated industry, we still see echoes of it, of course, today. But did you initially and through your career face challenges being a woman when you initially joined? And do you see changes today in your in your you know long career in the industry in Kenya, in Africa, even in Europe? Wow, let me say that uh, as long as I was, you know, doing the lower end jobs, uh, if I may say, from the litigation, I was a litigation lawyer for the Port yeah. Authority. That was okay. I think I would say the first time that I was faced with uh, male, I mean, problems was when I took over as the CEO. Uh, okay. Suddenly, I was in the limelight. And uh, that's when I started feeling, wow, you know, hostility. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that was, told, was said to me, okay, we didn't have a standalone maritime administration in Kenya then. But we had the administration and it had always been um, managed uh, within the ministry and working with Kenya ports. It was always managed by former captains uh, of industry, people who'd master mariners or, you know, people who'd been to sea. And therefore comes this woman who thinks that, uh, or what I was told was, uh, you know, she thinks she can do better than those seasoned captains. And I remember one time I'm on radio uh, doing a, uh, like we are doing now, but it was live and there were callers, you know, people could call in and yeah. ask questions. Yeah. And somebody asks me, uh, you know, you can't even be, you're not qualified to even be a spanner boy on board ships. So what are you doing and what do you imagine uh, you're going to be able to achieve? And that kind of caught me uh, off guard. Uh, but I also discovered that uh, other than the skills I had, the academic, the professional qualifications, I needed now to learn new skills to navigate uh, with that uh, kind of hostility and uh, uh, the, the, the political environment and, and all that. Now, it's one of the reasons that I got into mentorship uh, because I knew if this is what I'm facing, I am maybe strong enough. I'm, I've made of a harder metal. How about the young people? How about the young girls, uh, particularly coming into the sector? Because uh, until the, the early 90s, the industry in Kenya was almost totally male-dominated. And it became my passion then to look for and to identify and to encourage 
uh, young ladies to join the sector and I became their, their mentor. I remember I said it the other day when I was speaking to CEO that uh, I cried once in the boardroom uh, because of, you know, the environment. Yeah. But it made me so hard after that, you know. It's, you know, stilled me, my resolve to say nobody will, be, will drag me out of this sector and I'm going to stay and I'm going to give back as much as I get. So here I am. I'm still standing. I wouldn't you say I'm not. Standing, I, I uh, definitely not. You're a role model for many, many future women, we hope. But I, like you said, hardened, hardened into diamonds. That's what they don't realize. And people press you, you know, <laughs> you're, you're made even stronger. But do you mm. see changes now then? You, you've mentored all these women. Do you see a big change? Or, well, a change. Let's not say big right now. Yeah. But do you see a change in the, a lot of women, less hostility? Do you think they have an easier path in Kenya, at least, where you've seen a lot of your career? I would still say that uh, it needs... Uh, different kind of lady you need to be, they need to be very yeah. very very strong strong mentality and that's why walking together and holding hands and keeping reassuring them it makes a difference so mentorship must be a very strong pillar uh, on this journey it's different mm. because we are seeing uh, more ladies coming coming in coming on board and also when they go to school, performing very well, exceptionally well in the, in the maritime field in, in, in terms of training. Uh, but we still have uh, a bit of training, but not getting fitted into the job that you have trained for. So we still need to, to do a lot. But having a voice like mine within government, and that's the reason I really lobbied for the maritime sector to have a seat in central government, because uh, as at that time we were working in silos, and I and I really made uh, the push to get the maritime sector move into Nairobi. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention that when I was leaving the industry, I realized unless uh, the maritime sector was mainstreamed within mm -hmm. government, then would still fall back into our old habits, and I pushed and pushed knocked on doors, even when they locked in my face, went through, should I say I went through the window because <laughs> I thought if I leave and the sector is not uh, anchored uh, within government policy making, you know, yeah. economic development, national economic development programs would never get up. And it forced me to be innovative, if I may say, because I thought, because I'm knocking doors and they're not working, I'm going to organize a national maritime conference, which I did, uh, we did in 2015 in February. And the conference wasn't even held in Mombasa where the maritime sector seat I had, we insisted it has to be in Nairobi, got the international speakers from the international maritime industry because I'm like, if we are not able to have that conversation amongst ourselves, then we better hear it from somebody. Else And I remember even the IMO Secretary General then, Koji, came and the conversation picked up. And when we talk about women doing differently, I think I would like to offer that as one of the examples. Because uh, when I wasn't able to, see, you know, to use the established uh, processes of doing things, 
I came up with this uh, idea that let's do the, the, the conversation, let's get the, the, a conference, let's bring everybody, and then let everybody see how important the sector is to be left only in, in the hands of the players, you know, the port industry, the shipping, you know, industry, yeah. but we needed to be at the heart of policy. And therefore, I'm glad today that when we speak of the maritime industry in Kenya, it's part of our blueprint for national development. Mm. It comprises a big uh, uh, pillar, you know, one of the most important pillars for national development, because that's when then you begin to come up with uh, programs and the support that the sector needed. Thank you. So you have really thought outside the box and pulled everyone behind you, screaming, shouting, willing, unwilling. You've taken everyone everywhere. Mm. So you talk a lot about mentorship and that's that's one of the things you really enjoyed setting the tone setting the being compassionate and mm. did you have any role models and mentors nancy did you have anyone who guided you and had an important role to play in your growth in the industry okay let me let me first say that uh, when i became ceo let me, uh, it was quite a in the public sector and like i said in a patriarchal society uh I needed role models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, I couldn't do it on my own, and I, I was able to identify people. Uh, I remember we formed because we were very few in the in in the public sector CEOs. I, I don't think I could have managed without uh, the group that we formed of ladies in executive uh, positions, and we worked together, you know, sharing experiences and uh, sharing how. You know, when you, you you share how you dealt with a particular problem that I am seeing, then it really helps mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, the mentor plays the role of a coach who provides advice yes. and also helps to enhance the, the mentee's professional performance and development. And that for me was very good. Then having role models within the group, people who had done it longer than me, that was a very good su support system. Um, then it made me realize that I had the tools. Communication was very, very important because I remember being able to, to express something, you know, not palatable, but being able to do it with a smile and mm. I'd been uh, coached to, to do it uh, differently. So let me say that I've been a beneficiary of uh, mentorship uh, by by my peers, but also in the shipping industry, uh, not just in Kenya, but uh, in you know in the international fora. When I took over reins of office, IMO was very very good, and within the technical cooperation, they organized mm -hmm. a week stay for me within AMSA, and for me that was invaluable because okay. I'm, I'm getting to know how to run uh, a. a a government, we call them parastato, but a government, a public entity within mm. the structures of government within Kenya. But also now uh, from AMSA, I was able to learn and working with the CEO then uh, to learn how to do uh, things for the for the sector and to set up the structures because I had to start from scratch. Yeah. Um, let me say that uh, those kind of uh, engagements were invaluable in shaping my professional journey and also keeping me grounded uh, within the industry. So mentorship up and down the chain, both sides, uh, you, you've 
you've got the benefits of it and you're passing it down. And you will continue, of course. I think a lot of us look up to you as a role model and I think you'll have a lot of people reaching out. But yeah. now we're going to see you, uh, or we are seeing you in your role as a nominee for the Secretary General's role. Um, mm -hmm. We would love to hear your vision for the role. I mean, it's coming up really soon. I'm sure you've been working really hard at presenting your vision and communicating it. We'd yeah. love to hear more from you on that. Oh, thank you for that. Let me say that uh, my candidature is driven by my passion and desire uh, to take the opportunity to take IMO to the next level. Uh, it's not lost on me that uh, my candidature comes at a time when a lot of issues are happening, uh, when multilateralism is at a crossroads, arising from a few issues like uh, security, of course, cybersecurity. We have piracy and recently mil militarization. Then we've got the environmental crisis and climate change and decarbonization. It, those are at the center of that and digitalization. And some of these issues uh, have brought, you know, a bit of division. Before we didn't have this within the IMO when it was, you know, implementing technical regulations. Then the issue of the human element, uh, and I'm glad, uh, someone raised it before this, the welfare of seafarers has never been as much sharp focus as we have it now. And yet this comes against the desire uh, to mainstream uh, gender within the maritime sector. And of course, the issue of technical cooperation, how do we do it better, uh, differently, because it's central in enabling particularly develop developing countries, LDCs, uh, and, and the seeds, you know, realize their ambitions and, and commitments to IMO programs. Uh, I want to say that uh, coming from a country like Kenya, uh, where we've got a, a reputation in diplomacy for being a safe pair of hands, and this has come out uh, very clearly, both within our engagement as a country uh, within the African Union, uh, but most particularly, uh, within the United Nations. I believe that uh, this is an experience I will be bringing if I am elected into the leadership of IMO, coupled with my experience as a seasoned practitioner in the maritime sector and with vast experience from uh, the global south. And therefore, I'm offering myself in the firm belief that I can build a bridge uh, between the north and the south uh, particularly on the contemporary issues that are currently uh, are being seen as dividing IMO member states. Uh, if I may say, Kenya has been on the forefront, of course, a lot with a lot of my input, uh, experience and strong record on multilateralism, and most important also on the South-South Triangular Co Cooperation, which has been evidenced most recently by Kenya's uh, actions. Uh, if you look at the hostship of the second United Nations Conference with Portugal last year, and also the first ever global sustainable blue economy conference, which Kenya hosted. Uh, but going back further is Kenya having been the first country uh, globally to avail our judicial and prison systems for the trial and incarceration of pirates. Therefore, mm. Uh, I want to say that uh, we've 
I'm a trusted, I can be a trusted pair of hands and that's what I'm offering. The other thing is to empower the, or, or ensure that uh, committees in their meetings uh, embrace everybody. Yeah. So technical rulemaking uh, process needs to be easily understood. And therefore, the, you know, the, the global north, the developing countries, the seeds, need to be better placed to, to participate, to articulate themselves so that we, you know, we bring in that feeling of transparency. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the way IMO was, you know, the mission for which IMO was mm-hmm. created uh, to, to also uh, to continue to be there. So that IMO, we, we are meeting there, all of us together, without some feeling that uh, they cannot speak with yeah. their issues. So I believe that's something very, very important, and it's part of uh, uh, the mission um, carving out. So Nancy, let's talk a bit about climate change and the challenge of decarbonization in the maritime industry. So on climate change and decarbonization, which is the biggest issue we have before us, uh, I recognize that not all countries in the world are uniformly affected. Yeah. are differently affected by climate change. But there must be global efforts to mitigate that challenge. And therefore, we see, I see different causes of actions, for, but all of them are taking place together. While the developed countries want very fast transition, the developing countries may not have the access to a lot yeah. of information, to a lot of funding to be able to do. And therefore, bringing everybody together to the table uh, it's not the role of IMO to impose any decisions on members, member states, but it is to facilitate uh, the member states to drive their agenda. So providing information uh, to everybody equally, and including concise, analyzed information, information like what are the issues, summary of where we are, who is saying what, how do we strike a balance, and how, most important, how do we collaborate uh, together and bring in technology to to play and bring in the the solutions and most important how do we ensure that no one is left behind what do we need to do so collaboration accessibility transparency just transition Mm -hmm. um, and effective participation you're looking at all of these wider things in all of the issues so that'll be amazing so we wait to see how it goes on all of these issues here's a big question nancy how would you build consensus in the imo if win the elections this summer? I would say that we need to collaborate more uh, to be able to talk to each other more and better and to be more transparent with each other so that then we, we, we bring in the, the trust uh, that we are all not being driven by our own uh, inward experiences. I think that has been the biggest issue uh, that, that has not, you know, that has brought us problems within the IMO. So if we are able to build trust with each other, I think we need to collaborate more, to talk more, to, to you know, to, be, to bring more transparency and to be seen to support each other. Uh, I think that's very, very important for, for me. Making oh, the visible visible uh, and, and then motivating us, you know, to be more generous and, and easier with each other. 
Oh, no, I really like that. So communicate, be transparent, collaborate and build trust. That's that's nice. It's 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 a lovely message. And, you know, if we could all work with it, mm-hmm. how much better the world would be. So, yes. And, and if you want to leave a message for future generations of women in shipping in maritime, yeah. would there be something over and beyond this that you would leave for them? Or is there anything you would say if they wanted to be the next Secretary General and if they wanted to be the next CEOs? <laughs> <laughs> I think I would tell them to, uh, one of the things that I I would ask women and I ask girls is to keep showing up. Just show up, step on the plate and take each and every opportunity, uh, you know, to build themselves. You know, I, I, like I remember telling my children from when they were growing up, all experience is good. It's me, you know, you don't wait until you are at the top of your game. Keep showing up and you learn something, even if you will not perform. For example, because you see, and that's what I tell the the young ladies, when you're called to speak, don't say I'm not good, you know, they're going to be so, just show up and and work at it. Then investing in themselves is also very, very important. And it need not cost money. Like I said, when we created the network of women CEOs, that was an investment in terms of time and you know, sharing yeah. and, you know, working together to, towards uh, a course and building each other. We all grew out of it. So this kind of thing, I would ask the, the, the young, uh, you know, the women to, to look at, not just look at women role models from afar and, you know, and keep away. Then most important, you can't make omelets without breaking the eggs. So even the difficult roads, they also help yeah. us to grow. And therefore, because they also lead to beautiful destinations, don't shy away. Just come on board and bring the right attitude. The right attitude, I mean, you will find sometimes, you know, not everybody is with you uh, sometimes, Mm. right? But come on board anyway. And it's not about what they do. It's about what you yourself, how you react. So, and that one, you are always in control. So just come on board. When if you if you are discouraged and you want to cry a, li- a little cry afterwards, but as long as we are in this environment, keep smiling, fake yeah. it, no, yeah. <laughs> fake it till you make it. But I think this is also good advice for young men and women. I mean, I've asked you for women and it's Women's Day podcast, but actually this is good advice for every young person. Like just show up, just go through the hardship. It'll make you who you are. Um, I, I remember when I was in my when I first met you, Nancy, last year, and I was asked to be in a panel quite late in the day, and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm with Nancy on the panel. Am I sure?" Oh you know. <laughs> so I, I mean, I so I really appreciate that you were so good, and I was like, uh, so I feel like yeah, one should just turn up sometimes, even if you don't feel you're ready or you're not qualified. And then from that experience, you know, I've got to get to know you better, and I was on the panel with you, so. <laughs> you never realize that always... if at all. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, like you said, keep smiling. <laughs> so keep yeah. smiling through whatever it is. So that that's what it was. I mean, okay, we speak a lot, but it's rare that we speak with Nancy. So that was quite a quite a pleasure for us. Um, so we've come to pretty much the end of what we wanted to ask you. But I have one personal question that I always like asking people when I interview them. I love reading, so I often ask people I interview. Would you recommend one book that you love or you would be happy to share or want all our listeners to read? Any one book. I know you said you read a lot on decarbonization, but we're looking beyond decarbonization. (laughs) 
Okay, let me share that I, I love reading too. Uh, Richard Carlson, and I remember, you know, finding this book when I was uh, starting my professional career. Don't sweat the small stuff and okay. it's all small stuff. Now, don't give in to petty problems uh, in, significant, in significant matters like we've been talking about. Look at the bigger picture and, you know, save the energy and the time on the bigger picture, not the small issues. Who did what to you, you know? Just keep things in perspective. Uh, look, you know, look beyond uh, what the circumstances are showing, what the discouraging factors are showing. Like I said, I've gone through a lot of uh, flack and a lot of, you know, people taking liberties with me generally. Uh, but I look at it and I have one standard out of reading this book, I have one standard measure that I say, you know, in five years, in a year from now, how will this matter? How will whatever handle they are presenting to me now, how will it matter? And that will motivate me every time to look at ways to go around the problem. You know, the barrier that it's, you know, I'll treat it as small stuff in, in the sense that I'll not be stuck here where someone is trying to place me in terms of limitations, but I'll focus my energy on the bigger thing, on the goal that I'm trying to, to achieve. So I wish uh, a lot of younger people would get that, you know, that mm. it really doesn't matter. In five years from now, the decisions you've made that have impacted on your life, some of them will not even really matter, even in personal relationships, even with families. So just let go and look at the bigger picture. So that's an interesting book. Yeah, perfect. I love it. I think this is a good book for all of us to read and more than read, absorb and inculcate and practice, I think. So I will try and think of everything like that. In five years, how would I look at this incident or this event or this thing? Well, I really like that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nancy. It was so lovely to chat with you. Thank you for your time. 